Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today, we're joined with Daniel. How you doing, Daniel? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to have you here. And where are you calling from today? I'm in Las Vegas. Oh, really? Wow, that sounds great. Is uh, life living in Las Vegas anything like visiting Las Vegas, or does it get boring after a while? You know, it's it's like any other city at the end of the day. It, it has a thing called suburbs. Most people mm-hmm. think that living in Las Vegas means that you're at the strip club and the bars until 5 a.m. <laughs> and um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice community outside the strip. I'm about 20 minutes outside the strip and have everything that we need. And anytime friends and family come to Vegas and they visit us and they're on the strip and they want us to come hang out, I try my best to avoid seeing them on the strip because I hate going to the strip. It's a it's a trap out there. Yeah, it sure is. My father used to live in Henderson for a little while, and I was really surprised when I went to visit him because it was, like you said. And it was cool, though. I got to see Red Fox's house before he died. He was apparently in there, but, you know, I didn't have the balls to go to the door or anything. There's a gate around it, but that was a long time ago, man. But, yeah, you're right. It is... uh an interesting place, that's for sure. Most people associate Vegas, of course, it's got the reputation for Sin City and gambling and stuff, but I'm sure there's a lot more going on there than meets the eye, right? Like, it's it's probably got things that are a lot milder than we would imagine sometimes. Oh, for sure. It's got amazing food, every single type of food that you can think of, and a lot of uh, musicians come out here to perform, so there's uh, a lot of entertainment 
G-rated entertainment, right? Not all the craziness that people think about. So yeah, exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, the strip is the bright lights and excitement and all that. Uh, I guess it's it is what it is, but that's cool. I've been to visit a few times, but it's been a while. And I had a friend that OD'd in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, he's uh, a really good friend of mine, man. Um, I really miss him, you know. And he was like a brother and. He was my drummer in a band and like we played together for years and had like a really good friendship and a psychic connection. And then one day I was getting ready to, well, we went to visit him actually in Las Vegas. I was living in San Diego and, uh, we went out and saw him and like for the first time in his life, he was doing really good, man. It was like he had a car, he had a job, like a normal job. He had a girlfriend. He was right there in Vegas and I, I couldn't believe it, you know, and, he was always on SSI before and whatnot, but he struggled with alcohol addiction before. Well, apparently he got into heroin and speedballs and whatever. And uh, two weeks after I saw him in Vegas, I got a call and he was dead, man. They found him uh, overdosed and I was mortified and very saddened by that. Um, I'd imagine there's a lot of things uh, in the area of drug abuse and victimization that goes on there too right yeah i think the main thing though is it happens everywhere i uh, have my own personal experience with, with drugs i was addicted to oxytocin when i was 18 years old and wow. uh, had some really low points in, in my life and this happened in a town small town in, in utah and really? uh you know a lot of mormons live in utah people think utah is this uh this this state that has no sin and uh there's a lot a lot of drugs that uh are in, are in that state a lot of prescriptions uh abuse and uh, i actually i could not kick the habit i tried to get clean for a number of years and i just was not able to get clean and uh, one of my low points is when my daughter was born uh, i was 19 years old and my daughter was born and i was not there for her birth i was too busy getting high so i was i was that kind of person at at 19 years old and uh after trying to get clean several times it never worked and finally one of my last ditch efforts to get clean was to change my environment and and i think that's something that we all can relate to when you're in a funk when you're kind of at a low point it's sometimes a great thing to just get up and move change your environment move to a different city and i moved from st george utah to las vegas to get clean. I thought huh. I could be in a city with no one I know and not have that temptation, the people that I know, then I think I could get clean. And I tell this story and people laugh because they think, why would you move to Las Vegas to get clean? And it, it, it worked for me. But I think, um, you know, when wow. people can change their environment, we're, we're a product of our environment. So uh, totally, it's it a good move for me. That's good to know. Um, so who you are is uh, someone that overcame addiction struggles. Let's go back to your childhood for a minute and just kind of get a glimpse of who you were when you were little. Uh, we always think of ourselves in different ways as we grow. And as we grow, we see ourselves in the future in different ways. How does all that line up in your estimation? Like when you were a very young child, do you remember early memories of how you thought you'd end up when you're older? And uh, how that kind of relates to how you are. Did, did it match or is it different? Like what kind of uh, vision did you have there as a small child? 
Man, I think um, I look back at my childhood, and I had a, a really good childhood in the sense of both parents in my house. I played sports growing up. My parents cool. were involved. I had a great brother, great sister. Not a whole lot to complain about. We weren't rich. We weren't poor. We were right in the middle. And things dramatically changed when I was 12 years old. My parents got divorced. Uh And it wasn't the kind of divorce that most people go through. It was really different. Different in the sense that my dad ended up moving to Mexico and never coming back. And that broke my heart because I was really close with my dad. So for me to not know why he left and why he didn't tell me and why he never came back, that ate at me. And living in California, the cost of living is pretty high in San Diego. So my mom struggled. Uh, She worked her tail off, but I didn't get to see her a ton because she was working overtime. And that left a lot of unsupervised time for me. So I went and tried to kind of fill the void that, that my dad had left and started hanging out with the wrong people seeking that, that influence. And that's where I just started dipping into alcohol and weed and ditching school and just, just struggling and not having a whole lot of ambition, not knowing what I'm going to do with my life, just trying to, just to fit in and ended up just limping my way through high school. I didn't get good grades, um, just barely graduated and I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. I just knew that society told me to go to college. So I went to college. But then I figured out really quick, college wasn't for me. Uh-uh. And I dropped out of college three months into it. And wow. one thing that served me well is I didn't grow up with money. I don't have a degree uh, in business. I don't have a family that comes from a, a line of entrepreneurs. But one thing that served me well is just networking and relationship building. And that's helped me grow a a pretty solid company and have amazing clients and an awesome team. And the relationships that I cultivated when I was 18 helped me get uh, a pretty good paying job. My My first job in the sales world, I was 18 years old. I ended up making like $80,000, $90,000. Awesome. I blew it all because I'd never seen that kind of money before. And, oh, yeah. uh, at, at 18 years old, you, uh, think you know everything, right? So, yeah. um, definitely had a, a lot of ups and downs over the years. Right on, man. So let's go back a little bit to your parents. Um, growing up with two parents is really special, you know, even till the age of 12. Um, you know, in a way, I guess it would be, uh, bittersweet. You know, you're blessed because you had that for so long. Uh, but it sucks, of course, when it goes away. Um, my father left when I was 18 months. I can't blame him. Um, I understood why my father left because he explained it to me when I was older. Um, but, you know, um, it sucks, man, when, when they part, you know. But having them together is something I think, uh, you know, people today forget is so important in that balance. Um, what are some uh, earlier memories that you remember of, your parents each or collectively together uh, inspiring you to be who you are, you know, without digging too deep into your current life. Like uh, think back to when you were younger and when your family would motivate or inspire you to pursue whatever it was. I'm guessing that you were encouraged to pursue whatever interested you. You sound like a pretty free-flowing guy. Um, But I just wonder how did that work? You know, where did you find the first impetus of inspiration from your family or your parents, let's say, mostly. Uh, I think parents are usually it, but, you know, it might be different for you. 
Yeah, so on my dad, what comes to my mind is I never got to eat the good food growing up. And what I mean by that is McDonald's. Like, I wasn't allowed to eat McDonald's. Um, I would go to my friend's house to eat bagel bites and corn dogs because that kind of stuff wasn't in my house. My dad was really against uh, like processed food, so you know he was he was really good at cooking and making just wholesome meals. He made me eat fruit after every meal, and uh, yeah. I kept you right re- on to my thirteen. Yeah, kept kept so, you regular, buddy. Right, right. I passed it on to my daughter because uh, you know fruits and veggies are important. So he definitely helped me out and impacted me on the the health um, side of things. And then with with my mom, you know, when my dad left. It was uh, it was just a, a a situation where when he left, he just left my mom hanging. My mom didn't have any financial support, physical, emotional support from him. And one thing I always remember is my mom never complained. She never talked crap about my dad. I never caught her crying about, man, I just had a bad day. Things are tough. How are we going to make it next month? There was times where we lived in a hotel. Um, there was times where we lived with, Um, my friend, um, you know, my, I was my junior year in high school. We didn't have our own house and my friend's mom was, um, gracious enough to let us stay in their house. And my mom and I stayed in their house for a little bit of time. Right. So there was some of those, those challenges my mom and I faced. And, you know, those are perfect times for her to get frustrated and, and kind of pout and, uh, you know, complain, so to speak, and maybe point the finger at my dad. And she never once did that. And, uh, in fact, it was always the opposite. She always had a smile on her face. She always went to work every day. She just had this, this confidence about herself that we were going to make it through. We were going to still see it through. Right on. And that, that kind of energy flowed into me. Um, I, I, I have that confidence that, you know, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. Um, right on. Because if, if my mom can, can have that kind of attitude, then, uh, you know, it's, it's contagious. So, uh, that, that served me well. Um, yeah. In the sense of just not adapting or not adopting a, a victim mentality, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. want to point the finger. It's always easier to do that instead of taking mm-hmm. ownership and focusing on what you can control. Excellent point. Excellent point. And siblings? Do you have siblings growing up? Yeah, I've got a, a brother and a sister that are older than me. Right. Okay. I know that you mentioned it, but I just wanted to touch on it to make sure I didn't forget them. And uh, older than you, so you're the baby. I am. Wow, that's cool. So am I. And uh, interesting, similar dynamics in a way for my life and two older brothers anyway. I wish I had a sister, but that's cool. How did your siblings play a role in your development growing up? They're 11 years older than me, so mm-hmm. I never fought with them or had any kind of sibling rivalry. Um, they're they're my half-siblings, um, mm-hmm. so I look at them as my full siblings, though. Um, we share the same father, not the same mom. Um, so I, I didn't have them in my house all day, every day, you know, just because of that age gap. But, uh, you know, they are, are awesome and we're really close. Right on. And uh, your father leaving, you said he just disappeared to Mexico. Like he went out for groceries one day or did he just like, I mean, how did he do it? Yeah, I mean, he's got in a car and drove. So basically it's a matter when people have problems, they can either stay and deal with them and and find a way to overcome those problems or they can just run away. And, uh, you know, that was something that, that was a choice that, that my dad made. Man, that's a bummer. And have you ever spoken with him since? Yeah. Once I had my daughter, when I was 19 years old, I remember holding my daughter in my arms. And, uh, up until that point, I, 
really despised him. Um, I even changed my last name. So I didn't have his last name anymore when I was 17 years old. Uh, I took my mom's last name because, you know, never talked to him and I had a lot of resentment towards him. But when I had my daughter, I remember holding my daughter in my arms when I did see her for the first time. And I do remember thinking, man, this is, this is amazing. Like that's my blood as I'm looking yeah. at my daughter. Right. So that kind of thought then I, I thought about my dad, you know, like, let me just, get past this because me being um uh, me, me having that resentment and not forgiving him is just only hurting me and uh right. my dad's a knucklehead um but i know he he loves me and uh i started to just change my perspective instead of being um having anger it was more gratitude it was you know what? i'm grateful that i even had a dad growing up i'm grateful that the first 12 years were awesome he was a stud and some kids don't even have a dad. And the fact that I did for some part of my life is awesome. Thank you, God. Other yep. kids have a dad their whole life, but their dad's a piece of crap. And uh, that wasn't my dad for the first 12 years. Yeah, he skipped out and, uh, you know, didn't show up. He fell short. But, you know, people make mistakes. He's, he's not perfect. So I, I forgave him. And, um, yeah, we, we have a pretty good relationship, as, as good as it can be. You know, we live yeah. in different countries. So it is what it is. Man, but you've got a little place in Mexico to visit. That's cool. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, so did the granddaughter, his granddaughter, bring you closer together, do you think? Or was it more of the, uh, you know, kinship that you shared? Like, I know a lot of times children have an, am- an amazing way of getting people to unify and whatnot. But, like, do you think that was the catalyst for him to, you know, because he might not have been ready, but, like, you know, what, what do you think his perspective on it was? You know, like, I mean, was it uh, he realized he made a mistake and wants to have the same connection that you do? Or do you think that it's more like, you know, wow, you know what I mean? This is family and I really blew it and I don't want to miss this anymore. Yeah, I think uh, it was on my side, my, my ball court. He, he was, you know, in a place of just having shame and embarrassed and not feeling too great about what he did. So it, it, it took me reaching out to him and just, hey, I forgive you. I love you. Let's move on. Right. And when, once I did that, then, you know, we, we slowly started talking more. Right on, man. So it just took a little time, but it was worth the effort, right? Amen. Right on, brother. Um so other people that have, I mean, I have a strange family relations, some pretty tenuous ones, actually. Um, everyone's dead except for like three people, and they're awful people. Um, I can't imagine ever being able to get to that place. Like, I really want to, but it's it's not possible, like, in theory or practice. What would you say to someone like me that has that type of attitude towards that sort of thing? Because I've got my own issues, but... I haven't overcome them yet. Um, how would you suggest someone like me go about letting that baggage go and freeing up some of that energy that's spent there? Yeah, I mean, you have to figure out, is, is this energy, is this baggage that you're referring to, is it good for you or is it not good for you? And most of the time it's not good for you. All right? There's a feeling of anger, resentment, and just negative energy, negative thoughts. And if that's happening, then that's not serving you well, right? So 
ultimately, just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you forget what happened, right? So I don't forget what my dad did, but I know me forgiving him gets me closer to peace. We all want peace and happiness. Yeah, we want to make money because money is important in this world, but ultimately there's a lot of people that have a lot of money that are unhappy. And, and there's people that don't have a lot of money that are happy and peaceful, right? Mm-hmm. So we all, whether you're broke or not, or have money or not, you, you want to have peace and happiness. And peace and happiness can be robbed from us when we have certain people in our life that we just haven't forgiven. And I know there's certain circumstances where someone did something so traumatic that you just can't ever forgive them. Um, but ultimately, if you're at a point where you can say, I don't forgive them, I don't forget them. I don't want to deal with them at all. Like, I, I'm never going to forgive them. Just make sure that it's not robbing you from peace. It's not bringing negative energy. Um, I, I can't speak upon that because I don't have my, my, like, once I chose to forgive my dad, then I, I was able to find more peace and it served me better. But until then, it, it was something that I held on to. It truly was baggage that I held on in my life. And that wasn't helping me. So really it just comes down to you you need to be selfish and it's about you and not them in that that respect, in that scenario where, you know, you you letting go of that. Totally, man. And can that perspective change overnight or is that something that takes time too? I mean, it took me some time. I mean, it happened when I was 12 years old and it took me till you know, 19, 20 years old. So it took me seven, eight years to get there. Wow. Okay. Cool. Well, that's good, though. There's hope, and sometimes it's hard to let go of certain things, and I mean, I struggle with it myself. It's part of what I seek to explore in some of these conversations, you know, and enjoying the dynamics of, uh, you know, other people's experience and learning from that. Um, That's the goal. Um, So when you realized back in the day when you were doing the wrong thing that you realized that you needed to make a change, what was the deciding factor that made it so that you actually implemented the change? You know, we all talk about it. Uh, change is great, but like, you know, a few people actually take action. What was it? Was it a bad experience or what was it that led you to say, you know what? It's time. I'm going to do this. And you left Utah. You came to Las Vegas. What, what was it that made that happen? Yeah, it was November 2009. My daughter was six months old. It was Thanksgiving. My daughter and my mom were at my house. My mom was making some food. I had left the house because I told my mom that I was going to go grab an energy drink, which was a lie. It was actually me leaving the house to go pick up some Oxycontin pills. And unfortunately, I was not able to score that day. All the drug dealers were busy eating turkey and mashed potatoes. They weren't slinging drugs. Mm -hmm. So that put me up against a, a, a rock and a hard spot because I knew if I wasn't going to get pills that day, I was going to start withdrawing. Because basically heroin is in, is an opiate and opiates are inside of Oxycontin. So Oxycontin is heroin in the form of a pill. And what happens when you don't take this, this pill, this drug, your body craves it. And when it doesn't have it, it starts withdrawing. You start getting sick, like literally flu-like sick. And um, I just remember sitting in my car knowing that I was going to be getting sick very shortly. And then it just hit me. I thought, man, I am just a big piece of crap. My daughter's six months old. My mom's at my house. 
and it's Thanksgiving, and I'm over here trying to get drugs, and I'm a father, and my daughter's six months old, and she's not old enough to know how big of a piece of crap I am, but I know that this is who I am right now, and that's this isn't cool. She's going to be five, six, ten years old one day, and what story is she going to tell? Who is she going to define me as? And uh, so I just started really asking those types of questions and just having a a deep one-on-one self-reflecting conversation with myself. And, you know, I made the decision there that day in the car. I I, got to move. I got to get out of Vegas. And uh, so I just... Or you mean Utah? Utah, Yeah, out of Utah. And then Vegas fell on the uh, the radar. Yeah, man. How did you know about Las Vegas as a spot that you wanted to go to? Um, there were some, some contacts that I had. Uh, I was aware of an opportunity where I could go to Vegas to get a job that was kind of in the same field that I already was in. So I had work lined up. It was just a matter of taking that step outside of my comfort zone. Wow, that's cool, man. So you did it. And uh, how long from the time you decided until you made the move? Within a week. Wow, no joke, huh? And, and your lady was with you for the move? No, I was... Uh, at this time, I was with the daughter or with my mom, the mother, mother of my child. daughter. Um, yeah, but we only lasted about a year. Um, my, my daughter was a year when we parted ways. And uh, I take it your spouse wasn't using, right? I was not married, so the or I'm sorry, mother yeah. of my daughter was was not. Okay, yeah. so you guys didn't have to fight over pills or anything like that, and. At least no, one of you. Would, no. What kind of tension the, did it? Yeah, tell me. Go ahead. I was the, the, the douchebag. Okay. So she knew it, or was it a big surprise? Yeah. Or like, okay. She knew. All right. And were you doing that before you met her? Uh yes. Okay. And so she knew what she was getting into. That is correct. Ah. Uh, all right. And and this is kind of a place that I'm leading with this, um, but she wanted to fix you. Like, we always want to fix those we love, I'm guessing, and that's not possible, right? It's up to the individual to make those types of changes. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to really want it right? and actually be committed. A lot of people want things, but, you know, how, how committed are you? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a shame, but you stay in touch with her, I take it, for the sake of the daughter. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously uh, that's going to always be there until she's at least 18 years old. So, Sure, sure. That's cool, man. That's cool. And do you um, still stay in touch with your mom? Does she live in Utah? Is that where your family lives? Uh, my, my mom lives in Vegas and uh, oh, she lives wow. in the same commu- community as I do. So we're no really way. close. Oh, that's so cool, man. Lucky you. That's so neat, man. What a deal. So she was there when you came there? Uh, no, she she moved from California over here a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Can't blame her a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. California's yeah. crazy. Dude, I'm telling you what. Like, I left there, I think, about 14 years ago at this point. Seemed to lose track of time. It's 13 or 14 years, but, yeah, that's plenty of time. Um, it's been interesting to watch it change so much. Have you ever lived there? Yeah, I grew up in Oceanside, San Diego County. No way, really? Wow, that's a trip. Yeah, I've lived in Oceanside on multiple occasions, but when I came here, I was living in Rancho Bernardo and then Valley Center, um, oh. you know, 
all in the same area, but I do miss the beach sometime. Do you ever miss the beach? Yeah, I love the water, man. That's one part I, I do miss is, uh, is the ocean. Yeah, dude, me too, man. There's just something about it. When you can get there and there's not a thousand people everywhere and trash all over the place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what kind of ruined it for me. I remember when all that started to happen and then people started getting robbed in like La Jolla and Del Mar. At, you know, just cruising around like they normally did. And it's like, what in the heck is going on here? You know, I kind of miss the old days when people just got upset if you got in the way of the sea lions. You know, there's like a little yeah. sea lion thing and you're not supposed to mess with them, but people always do. And, uh, you know, Southern California, whatever. That's cool. Then I can never go back. I don't think it'll ever be a place for me, but it'll be interesting to see how things evolve over the years, that's for sure. It's like a science It's a great experiment. place to visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even that. I don't know. I think if I did, I would go to Northern California. If I had the choice, I'd probably visit Northern California just because it's, it's so much more peaceful and, you know, far enough away from L.A. to not have the smog. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. And so... um you know, clearly you've gone through some interesting dynamics of change. And when you found your way free of Oxycontin, how did that process, you know, how did that process work? Like you still got sick, you know, right? Because you had to withdraw from the drug or did you just keep using until you got to a place where they could give you medicine? How did you actually escape the effects and the grip of the drug? Yeah, I ended up... um using what's called a suboxone in methadone. It's a drug that they give you to get off a drug. I know how silly that sounds, right? They give you a drug to get off a drug. That's, mm-hmm. Sounds very intelligent. Um, but I only did yeah. that for about a month because I'm like, why am I using a drug to get off a drug? So the the drug I was taking to get off of Oxycontin was just used to prevent withdrawals. But I just wanted to be done done. So I stopped using Oxycontin stopped using Suboxone, Methadone, and just went cold turkey. And it sucked for a couple months, a lot of physical withdrawals. Um, but you get past that, and the hardest part is just the mental. You know, six months, a year after being clean, you have a bad day. You experience some challenges. Well, the old you just would have went to your coping mechanism, right? Whether it's, you know, eating bad food, whether it's drinking alcohol, whether it's you know doing drugs, you just go back to that coping mechanism. So it was experiencing the the hardships sober and uh, getting past those challenges. How did you reprogram your brain to interact with those situations differently? Because that's really what it's about, right? Is reassociating those trigger points to something positive, right? Yeah, the the gym definitely helped me out a ton. Um, that was that was awesome. Did a lot of exercising, the gym, and just my environment, just hanging out with the right kind of people, just being around people that are, um, you know, motivated, go-getters, um, just in, 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 a, in a good state of mind. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So how do you find those types of people? How do you avoid, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, bad people are kind of invisible at first, but like, how do you know when it's safe to feel connected to somebody? these days yeah i think right now we're in a a great spot i didn't have this 13 years ago when i was you know in in the spot that i'm talking to you about but now it's it's a great time right 
got masterminds, coaching programs, events that you can go to, entrepreneurship events, Facebook groups, you know, just like-minded people coming together in one location, whether it's online, whether it's a, a physical event. So uh, I'm a big proponent of, you know, going to networking events and, and masterminds and coaching programs um, because you meet people that uh, are committed, that are spending money and time um, and their attention to be in that room. And, and typically those are people that are wanting to level up with their life. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good point. Uh, but not a place like Amway, right? Like stay away from that. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, obviously multi-level marketing <laughs> is a, an interesting animal. Yeah. Uh, I'll so, say. Yeah. I tried. Exactly. I tried it once. They would not leave me alone. Like way back in the nineties, I guess it was, uh, Man, I don't know what it was, but if I was wearing a suit sitting at a desk someplace in a public environment, they'd somehow find me and get me to come to their house. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, I'm not going to have dinner. I'm looking at a presentation. How disappointing, you know. I thought we were going to have dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so that is amazing. You managed to overcome a struggle. You know, they talk about a lot of... Um, drug use today uh fentanyl is the big killer what are your thoughts on that drug that's uh that's getting even weirder man they're making it look like candy like it's i've never seen anything like it like what do you think about all that crazy stuff man i'm just very grateful that wasn't around when when i was using that was uh that would have that would have killed me so I'm, i'm just really grateful that that wasn't around back in 07 08 and uh yeah it's it's scary these days with uh you know, a drug that powerful that can just kill you so fast. Yeah, man. But like, you know, it feels good. You know, of course, I don't believe that. But like, let's just say that I'm some stupid young person that wants to take a fentanyl pill because I heard about it. What would you say to keep me from doing that? Well, what what makes you want to use it, right? Like, what, what, what do you oh, have man, going on in your life that's just... That's the thing, though, but young people, it's like they don't get high necessarily, I don't think, with the knowledge of realizing they're escaping their reality or deferring, you know, some sort of uh, responsibility, you know, personally, maybe. Um, I think they just do it for fun. I mean, I'm I'm just guessing. Um, When I was in college and high school, you know, I experimented a little bit with drugs, but it was never an issue. I never got addicted to any of it except for marijuana. Um, but that actually worked out great because I was a hyperactive child and it turned out to be the best thing for me. But um, other than that, you know, faced with just a society that's overwhelming and maybe problems that, you know, some people just don't understand, it's stressful, you know, maybe it's just an escape for a little while. It's no different than drinking, is it? I'm saying that with the knowledge that it is very different than drinking, but let's just pretend for the devil's advocate's sake that, a young person thinks that taking hard drugs is no different than drinking. Yeah, man. All you got to do is just show them a few different obituaries of 19-year-olds, 23-year-olds that are just dying from overdosing. All it takes is just one pill, one um, um, just one intake, and uh, you can die on the spot. So it's, uh, you're playing Russian roulette. Yeah, and that's pretty much with all hard drugs, wouldn't you say? Because, I mean, back in the day, you used to get things that you knew were safe. That might sound ridiculous, but uh, mushrooms or acid, for example, 
um, you know, if you knew where it was coming from, at least you felt safe taking it until they started putting like strychnine, more strychnine in the acid. They put apparently a little bit of heroin sometimes in it too. And you don't want that. And then the ecstasy, you know, whatever generation or I don't know if people even still use ecstasy, but I remember the few times I went to a rave, that was a big deal, you know, ecstasy pills everywhere. And They'd have these little weird black dots on them. I never took it because I was afraid, but apparently they're laced with heroin too. So people would take these pills not knowing that they're not clean. And, you know, I'm not proponing drug use. It's not a good thing. But, I mean, that's part of the problem, you know, is you really don't know what you're getting. And it's not safe, you know. It's just not safe. And is your life really worth the risk? You know, that's the question I would pose to a young person. Is it really worth that risk? You know, is it is it worth it? And I know that you would say no, right? Yeah, I mean, ultimately we only have one life, and we're only here for such a short amount of time. Right? Average life uh, expectancy rate is uh, seventy-eight to eighty-two years old, and uh, that's just really not a long time. It goes by really, really fast, and you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and you never know, right? So, it's, uh, it's uh, life is an interesting game. Absolutely, it is. And uh, without your daughter, do you think you would have made the same changes? No. Where would you be today? I have no idea. I'm just glad that God gave me a daughter because uh, it definitely helped me right the ship and uh, allowed me to to make some awesome changes in my life. And I, I think everyone has something that's been given to them that might be an adversity, right? I was 19 years old, druggy, had a kid pretty much a kid having a kid, not knowing how to raise a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, growing up without a father, right, they don't give you a, a book on how to raise a kid, right? So it's nope. definitely something that could have set me back and it could have made things worse for me. But I look at it as just an opportunity to get better, to grow. And I think we're all given those opportunities that might be disguised one way, that might be uh, perceived one way, but it, it truly is just a uh, a ball thrown your way that uh, you can use to to hit it out of the park to hit a grand slam you just got to figure out you know how to how to uh, look at it that way and uh and take action i see so people for example that experience adversity in their lives can probably look inward and find something to be thankful enough for to move on like and to have hope because i know after a while you know adversity can be overwhelming and I'd imagine for some folks it's really easy just to say, screw it, man, like whatever happens, happens, you know, and not take that responsibility. Um, when I hear about young people overdosing and dying from drugs and stuff, to me, it just seems so careless and, you know, it just doesn't make sense. You know, they don't, they either don't know what they're getting into or they're irresponsible in their perspective of what damage it can do. Um and uh, part of the reason I'm harping on this is I know part of your mission is, of course, to help people stay off of drugs or get off of drugs because you're a shining example of that. And I'd like to talk about um, some more positive things, actually, in a different direction, if that's all right. Uh, just kind of going into how your life led you to be an entrepreneur and uh, what types of things exist in your you know, experience, experience, memories, uh, whatever it might be that kind of led you to be involved with what you're doing now. Maybe we could 
start talking about that, and then we'll get into some meat of uh, what you're doing these days. Yeah, so sales was my career when I was 18, 19 years old, was in the real estate space. The real estate space allowed me to understand that people could use a retirement account to invest into real estate. That was a new concept for me. I always thought retirement accounts like IRAs and 401ks were just for stocks, just for Wall Street products. Didn't know that you could use a retirement account to invest into real estate. So that was something that I thought was really cool, fascinated me. I wanted to get into that industry, just a matter of time, and uh, ended up getting into that industry, the self-directed retirement account space, about 10 years ago. And I uh, was fortunate enough to be surrounded by some awesome people that you know, helped me grow and helped me learn. And I put in a lot of the, the, the work to gain the knowledge and uh, you know be able to get the experience and uh, worked for a company for a number of years and, and uh, did really well with the company, moved up in the company. And then uh, about four years ago, I, I thought it'd be a good idea to, to start my own business. I thought, hey, why not be the captain of my own ship and, and give this business owner thing a try? I, I think going back to the confidence that my mom instilled in me at a young age, I think I can make this happen. So started my own company four years ago, and um, you know we've got what was it? customers and all. What was what? What was your company that you started? Uh, it's, it's still around today. It's called Quest Education. Oh, really? Cool. Very cool. Cool, cool. I just wanted a milestone. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So uh, you know, we we have a lot of a uh, lot of fun helping people across the country, helping them access their money, uh, penalty and tax free. A lot of people have a lot of money tied up that they don't think that they can access. And uh, we just showed them how they can use their own retirement account money, penalty, and tax-free to do things like start their own business, um, invest in real estate, pay off high interest rate credit card debt, and a lot of different options beyond just the stock market. Really? So for someone that would, uh, you know, be looking to glean knowledge from you, do they have to have a 401k or just some sort of investment account? Um, having some kind of IRA 401k uh, that is worth at least 25000 or more would make the most sense um, because then we can show those people, you know, how they can use that money in a different way. And it just depends on their goals, right? You know, we were talking to my team the other day. We're, we're helping someone that needs some money to start a business and they don't want to get a loan from the bank and uh, they don't like where the stock market is going. They, they like the idea of using some of the money in their existing retirement account to invest into their own business. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're showing them how to use the money they already have in their retirement account without paying the penalties and taxes and use that money to grow their their uh, their business. All right. So well, most, I gotta... most people... Go ahead. I was going to say, most people have the thought that money in a retirement account they can't touch until they're old and retired. And uh, that's just not true. There's a, there's a way to access the money now, penalty and tax free. That's amazing. Is that fair? It's IRS approved. Awesome. And um, I mean, I don't like taxes any more than anybody else, but would you say that it simply avoids what would be considered unfair or unnecessary taxes? Because I've heard people talk about, you know, the penalties and costs of withdrawing from a 401k, and it sounds nightmarish. Um, you know, and not fair, to be honest. Is that basically what it avoids is those areas, you know, that don't seem really necessary, let's say? Yeah, there's definitely some some ways to not have to pay the penalties and taxes in an unnecessary way. It, it comes down to 
you know, the goals, what people are trying to accomplish, and, uh, you know, figuring out how to get creative with their finances. Right on. That's great. That's great. And um, if someone was out there today and doesn't have any sort of investment vehicles, uh, what would you suggest that they do to start thinking about, you know, pursuing those types of things for themselves? I would start somewhere. I mean, it doesn't have to be 10000 a year or 20000 a year. It could be $20 a week, $50 a month. Just, just start somewhere. Even if you're living paycheck to paycheck, no matter what your situation is, you could pay yourself first and start somewhere and slowly start um, building that account up by just consistently saving money and putting that money to work, investing that money. Um, you know, I, I bought my uh, my nephew um, when he turned 17 years old. I, I bought him a share of Apple stock, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not anti Wall Street. I think there's a time and a place for the stock market. Um, over time, the stock market does grow, so there's some you know there's different things you can do there. Um, and uh, I'm a big proponent of uh, a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. And that just means the money that you put in the account, you pay taxes on those those contributions, but it grows tax-free and it stays tax-free. I see. That's cool. So if you can get a good company that does like a 401k match, that's an ideal situation, right? Yeah. I mean, it's free money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure is. That's pretty cool. And uh, what types of contributions out of a paycheck do you usually, you know, see people investing in something like that? Like is it depends a percentage? On their situation. It just depends on their situation. The most you can put into a four hundred one k as an employee is between about eighteen thousand to twenty five thousand, somewhere around there, a year. So you can max it out, or you can put a, a couple thousand a year, or a couple hundred. It just depends on your own financial situation. I see. That's cool. And then once that money is there, what makes it grow or shrink, or does it shrink, or does it always grow? How does it work? Depends on what you invest the money in, right? So the 401k, the IRA is a vehicle. That vehicle still needs gas to go. Uh, the gas is the stock. The gas is the real estate. The gas is your business. If the stock market goes down, your vehicle, your 401k goes down. The stock market goes up, your 401k goes up in value. I see. I see. And I'm thinking of my own situation because I'm kind of new to it, but I have a 401k finally with some money in it. I was kind of surprised how much was in it. Um, to be honest with you, when they sent me the, the letter, I'm like, wow, okay, that's cool. Um, I like that. Um, but to me, it's kind of like an invisible savings account, right? Like, I mean, that's pretty much how you look at it. You just keep feeding it, ignore it until you need it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely there for for a reason, right? We, we we need to make sure we have a pot of money, pots of money, you know, as we get older. But there's some ways that you can use it now uh, along the way differently than just the stock market. I see. And uh, there's no trickery to it. You get your money back and there's no gimmicks or anything. It's just a matter of understanding the laws and procedures, right? Exactly. Right on. That is awesome. Um so off subject, but just kind of curious, what do you think of cryptocurrency? Yeah, I, I, um, I think the underlying technology, I think there's some, some cool stuff behind it that we're going to see, you know, continue to, to play a part in our society and it probably will play a bigger role as we evolve. 
Um, unfortunately, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of scams and there's a lot of people that are losing money in it because it's a get rich quick gimmick. A lot of people see a lot of people make money on it and you don't know the truth. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's my, my take on it. Mm-hmm. And are you familiar with something called NFTs? Yeah, so NFT is kind of in the crypto space and uh, digital art. Um, I don't really you know, personally invest into it. Um, again, I, I think there's some underlying technology behind it that, that can work. Um, as far as it being sustainable and having intrinsic value and um, all that kind of fun stuff to make it an investment that can you know really scale and grow over a period of time, uh, that's yet to be seen. Yeah, totally. It seems so weird how there's so many things that are coming up around these types of things, you know, and like Bitcoin has a zillion different options and I don't even begin to understand the NFT thing. From what I understand, you like sell a picture or something or music or something and I just don't get it, man. It's so weird. It just feels so gimmicky, you know, and ah, yeah, I think I'd rather take the steady road. Sounds like the road that you lead is the steady road, right? Yeah, I mean, the great part about our accounts is they're self-directed. You're the captain of your own ship, so you decide where to invest your money. If you want to invest it in crypto, you can. If you want to do precious metals, you can. Real estate, your own business, private companies, um, it's, it's totally up to you. But what if you don't know anything about that? How do you make decisions like that? That's why it's really important to be educated and uh, you know work with companies that can point you in the right direction. Um, we don't sell investments, but we refer our customers to different companies that can help them and then it's really important to be educated and ask the right questions and, and be informed um, self-directed accounts aren't for everyone so you know some people don't like the concept of directing their own money and being the captain of their own ship and bringing up their money and, and that's okay it's a it's a tool in the tool belt that, that can be used right on that's good that's good what kind of person would be attracted to that type of management strategy Someone that's got money in a 401k from an old job or an IRA and has more than 25000 in there and likes the idea of accessing some of that money penalty and tax-free to start their business or pay off high interest rate credit card debt, um, those are usually you know people that could really, really benefit from uh, our help. That's awesome. What if uh, like you have a first-time home buyer that wants to make a down payment? Can it be used for something like that? Yeah. Hmm. That's amazing. And when you talk about starting a business and stuff like that, the first thing that comes to my mind are like grants. Um, do you specialize in anything relating to grants? No. We, okay. we stay in our lane with the financial services, like retirement accounts and in that respect. Right on. That's cool. That's cool. It's just out of curiosity from your perspective, is that a viable avenue for people to secure financing? Or do you think that it's overplayed or saturated or whatever i'm not intelligent enough in the grant space to comment on that all good just curious yeah i just wondered you know free money from the government sure sounds good but boy you know when you, when you see how the irs fights to take your money every year it's kind of hard to imagine that the same government is going to give you any you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i hear you there <laughs> that's for sure and uh just kind of getting towards the close of the show here today um, let's talk a little bit about 
what you can offer to people and why they would want to reach out to you. What makes you different? And uh, how would you be able to benefit somebody that, you know, kind of matches the profile of what we just discussed? Yes, anyone that wants to tap into their retirement account penalty and tax-free, it's just a matter of learning how. And that's where we come in, where we provide that information and show you how it works and teach you. And if you like the idea of it and it makes sense, you can move forward with us. If not, no worries. You'll get all the information and then move on down the road. And and, uh, maybe we cross paths down the road. So um, you can learn more about me and and my company going to danielblue.me, Blue. Uh, dot me blue like the color dot me and uh, that website has all of my information i've got a podcast called how winners win uh, we teach people on the podcast uh, myself and, and my, my, my uh, co-host kita we teach people how to win in their personal life their financial life their entrepreneurial life right. um, you can check out the podcast there i've got my own book that i wrote called blueprints your best retirement uh, the book teaches you how to access your retirement account penalty and tax free so it, it goes into a lot more detail than what I've discussed so far. And uh, you can grab the book on my website. You can get it on uh, Kindle, the hard co- copy. You can pick it up on Audible as well. And uh, there's a, a lot of free information, uh, a lot of articles I wrote for Forbes and some other publications on my website as well. So you can right snoop around there and uh, see see what, uh, what, what makes the most sense for you. That's awesome, man. And uh, just to kind of... Uh maybe steal a little gem from your podcast, what would you say comes to mind that holds people back from their best life the most? Just overall, like what comes to mind first? I would say being afraid of doing the hard stuff, right? The 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 things that give you discomfort, the things that make you uncomfortable, the things that are hard, naturally we want to run, we run away from them. Our, our bodies, our minds seek complacency. We seek the easy path. We seek comfort. And as soon as we change that, our body's like, whoa, 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 what are we doing? Well, on the other side of hard, on the other side of adversity, on the other side of discomfort is growth. You learn more. You experience more. You gain more wisdom. You come out stronger. And if you can get good at that and keep doing that and embrace the hard, it's just a great way to, to keep growing and keep being a, a better person. Absolutely. Great point. And how would uh, how would you say that somebody differentiates between the fear of success or taking those steps and the fear of something dangerous? Because fear, you know, is a pretty deep concept and it happens on different levels, but we're inherently programmed to avoid danger that could uh, hurt our physical being but then there's those fears that are nothing more than illusions, erroneous areas of our brains or whatever. Um, how do you differentiate between danger fear and opportunity fear? Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's going to be a personal question depending on their own circumstance, right? Like, are you going to get hurt? Is this going to bankrupt you? Is this going to cost you your relationship, right? Like, you, you need to weigh out the risks and the rewards. And, uh, you know, as long as the rewards massively outweigh the risks, there's always going to be a risk with anything that you do. So, you know, you need to weigh out the risks and uh, the pros and the cons. Absolutely. Yeah. And in the context of pursuing an opportunity, I should have said that, um, to know if it's the right one or not. I mean, I know that's very personal, but, um, you know, there's so many things out there and, 
lots of get-rich-quick schemes and things that are probably not that healthy, but that's, in my mind, kind of where I was alluding to is how can someone that's pursuing a better life and financial independence and freedom maybe avoid some of the scams that are out there and uh, have a better idea that, you know, hey, this is going to work, you know what I mean? Like, is there a way to give a tip or an advice, uh, you know, tidbit that might help people avoid some of the scams? And, I mean, aside from just what you're offering in addition to it, uh, how do people stay away from bad deals, you know? Yeah, Google. Google me, right? See what pops mm-hmm. up on the search engine. Mm-hmm. You're getting pitched an opportunity, Google the company. Mm. Um, verify, right? Find other people that have done, that have worked with them. What's, what's their track record look like? How long have they been in business? You know, do they have customers? Are there reviews? You know, just definitely, you know, you, you want to check, check those things out. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always do that when it's something new or it seems too good to be true. And, you know, once I get onto a few pages that show a lot of terrible reviews, I'm done. So that's great. Yeah, definitely use Google. That's one of the ways that you can uh, learn a lot. But I think we forget to do that sometimes. So that's good to remember that. And just to wrap up, I was curious if there's anything we might have missed or something that you'd like to share that our audience would glean from today. And just uh, closing out our hour, um, anything that we might want to touch on that we missed and please take your time if anything is on your mind. Yeah, I was just, uh, you know, I know this episode is going to come out towards the end of the year. So, you know, these years just keep going faster and faster and faster. Who would have thought we'd be in 2023 right around the corner, right? So time is on your side and uh, it just keeps happening faster and faster and faster. We're getting closer to the, the finish line. We all have an expiration date. So, I think it's just important that we keep that in mind that, uh, you know, time is not, uh, infinite, right? We're, we're only here for a short period of time. So, you know, are you maximizing the time that you're here on this earth, helping people, impacting people, um, you know, making a difference because, uh, before we, before you know it, you're going to pass on and, and, you know, there's going to be people behind that you leave that, uh, hopefully you could have, you know, left the legacy and impacted them. Absolutely. So it's really about loving yourself and your fellow human, right? Amen. Right on, man. That is beautiful. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Daniel. And for those of you listening, be sure to check out Daniel Blue at danielblue.me and uh, do your due diligence. You're going to see lots of good information there. And I just want to thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience and you know, being willing to share some of those personal details of how you changed. And um, just one final question I have. What would you have told your younger self if you had one opportunity to go back in time? What would you tell your younger self from today? Like right now, today, when we get off the phone, you can go back in time. What would you do? I would just say don't don't be afraid to lose. You know, don't be afraid to take L's. We all lose. We all have mistakes that we make. We all try something and we fall flat on your face. But uh, don't be afraid to lose because that's that's where you take the the time to learn and uh, and to grow. Right on, man. So it's worth it just to keep on chugging away, even if it doesn't look like you're getting anywhere. It's the change and uh, you know uh, the dynamics of the change over time that really makes a difference, right? So true. 
Right on, man. That is beautiful. Well, I really appreciate you, Daniel. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope that we get to talk again in the future. All right. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode.